Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are a Jesus community telling the biggest story of God in Los Angeles. We're excited that you're joining the conversation with us today. Enjoy. Uh, let's do this. Let's have some conversation. So uh, click that conversation button or click on the link in the chat and answer the following question. What is that one thing that if you had it, your life would be so much better. Enjoy. All right, welcome back, welcome back. I hope that you had great conversation around this question. I know for me, my answer to this question has changed as I have changed. I know that when I was uh, younger, and thought so much less of myself, I felt that there were certain things that if I just had this, then I would be loved. If I had this, then I would be accepted. But now the way I view that question is entirely different. So I know that for different people, same question could have different responses. And we're gonna see a little bit more of that played out um, in today's passage. Uh, just to do a little recap real quick, back in Genesis 11, uh, Abram, Lot, Abram's father, Terah, they're all on their way from Babylon, the place of captivity, to the promised land, which is Canaan. Um, on the way there, uh, Terah decides to stop and settle. So even though they're being led someplace, they're, uh, they know that God is leading them someplace, they stop and they settle. And uh, we talked about this a, a few weeks back that whenever we settle in our lives, and you all know what I, what I mean by that, by settling, when we compromise, we betray ourselves. And how many of us, we are where we are right now, we want to point the finger at somebody else that they're the reason for our dissatisfaction, but really it's because you betrayed yourself. You settled. You, you landed someplace that you knew was not where you needed to go. And so they settle, but then Terah dies there, and God speaks again, and Abram and, and the crew are on their way now, and they arrive at the promised land, and then something crazy happens while they're in the land of the Canaanites. Um, Abram is terrified, and he pimps his wife. And somehow through that all, God intervenes, and they end up leaving that, that spot with more than what they had before. And that now brings us to chapter 13. So if you would turn to Genesis chapter 13 in whatever you're using for your Bible, uh, read along with me. It says, so Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had and Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold from the Negev. He went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and A. Now, Abram probably black, because it was like, A, but okay, anyway. Um, where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. That's important. That he went, they wandered for a while and they ended up back at the place where Abram had first built an altar. There, Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now, Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them 
while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan toward Zoar was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, look around, look around. Um, from where you are, there's going to be a lot of pop culture references today. I'm just letting you know ahead of time. Look around from where you are to the north and south, to the east and west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abram went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he pitched his tents, and there he built an altar to the Lord. Um, this is a lot like the question that I asked and what I was saying earlier. Two individuals, Abram and Lot, experience the same situation, but their responses are different. And so I, these are the, the footnotes that I want you to notice. And in spite of everything that is happening in this chapter, there are some things I want you to note. That when they were kicked out of the, of the land by Pharaoh at the end of chapter 12, they're wandering the land and Abram is wandering until he finds that place where he felt he first built an altar to God and he worships the Lord there. But then there's some quarreling. There's some, there's some bickering going on about the land, the land that God was going to give to them. And Abram wants to squash this argument right away. And he lets go, even though the promise is being made to Abram, he turns to Lot and he says, Lot, whatever you want, it's yours. Whatever you choose, no matter how much it is, whatever you choose, I'll take the rest of it. And isn't it interesting that Lot chooses what he thinks is the greener grass? And that's what I found is, is one of the, the, the issues with my life before was that it was never enough. Yeah, another, Hamilton uh, another Hamilton reference, I'm never satisfied because there's always more that I want. They had plenty of possessions. They had, they had so much, but Lot needed a lot more. And so he, he looks towards Sodom and Gomorrah, but there's also something else that's going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. It says that the people there are doing wickedness against God. But Lot, here we go again, wants to be in the room where it happens. So two 
people have different responses. Lot is holding on to something that is going to lead him away from God, and it's going to cause some serious consequences to his family. Abram lets go. Isn't that what we heard in the worship this morning about letting go, not holding on, but leaning on to God? And Abram makes this decision to find his way back to God. He finds the place where he first built the altar. And then he, he chooses the land and God speaks to him and says, I'm going to give you all of this. And, the, and Abram's first response this time is to build a home in the land. And you notice that the other thing that he let go of is that he's no longer afraid. Before, when he hears about who lives in the land, he's terrified. Now he's not afraid and he builds a home. And not only does he build a home, but again, he builds an altar to God and he worships God there again. Two people come through a situation, but one ends up making decisions that brings them closer to God. One makes a decision that takes them further away from God. In storytelling and in screenwriting, here we go, screenwriters group, the right group, there we go. Just dropping the plug, all right. 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m., okay, never mind, okay, anyway. Um, in screenwriting, great, one of the parts, elements of a great story is called the dark night of the soul. It's that, it's that, it's that do or die moment where all is lost, all hope is gone. Our hero on his hero's journey wanders and, and doesn't know how he's going to make it, how he's going to get through this, because something has happened that has caused a tremendous loss. But then illumination happens in that wilderness. Illumination happens in that dark moment because it's always darkest before the dawn. And somehow illumination comes, and with that illumination, there is a change in perspective. The difference between Abram and Lot is perspective. And in this dark, in our dark nights of the, of the soul, and we, and we see this all the time in great storytelling. Like, for example, Elf. All right. All right. So, Buddy, Buddy is on his hero's journey. What's his hero's journey? He's going to go to New York to find his father and help his father not be on the naughty list. Right? But then, what's his dark night of the soul? He goes into his father's big pitch meeting and destroys it. And his father says, get out of here. I never want to see you again. And in that dark night of the soul, Buddy is wandering the wilderness, which is New York City. Right? And then he comes to a bridge. And there's that whiff of death. Because he's, he's now he's staring down off the bridge. And they don't necessarily say that he's about, he's contemplating suicide, but it's how that is, is, is captured in that moment. But then illumination happens. He looks up and he sees Santa sleigh land in Central Park. And with that, he goes to Central Park and his decision at that moment, changed. he rewrites just what Corey was talking about two weeks ago. He rewrites the story. He changes his direction. He no longer is seeing defeat. He sees how he can bring Christmas cheer to all. 
He brings hope to Santa. He brings hope to his family. He brings hope to his father. And he brings hope to the city. And not only does he find his father, and his father's no longer on the naughty list, but Buddy also, not only does he find family, he now builds a family. Since it's Black History Month, you know I got to say something about Black Panther, right? Since it's, a, since it's the third anniversary. Here we go again. Two people with similar situations, but different outcomes. Because both T'Challa and Eric Killmonger, they have both lost their fathers in tragic situations. Both of them recognize their heritage in Wakanda. Both of them say that they want to use Wakanda's resources to help their people. But one is willing to do it by means of sharing the resources. The other wants to do it by any means necessary, even if it means killing his own people. And so what happens with T'Challa? That dark night of the soul where now he and, and Eric, they have their battle, and there's that whiff of death where T'Challa loses the fight. We actually think he's dead, but he's in the wilderness. And what is the wilderness? It's where M'Baku lives. Right? And then what happens? There's the illumination where he is brought, as he is being brought back to life, before he becomes conscious, he goes to the land of the kings. And he makes the declaration that you have all done it wrong. You have, you have betrayed our principles. You've betrayed our values. You've betrayed who we are. But I will not be a king like that. And now he's on a trajectory of not just sharing with uh, the people of Wakanda, not just sharing within Africa, but sharing the resources with the world. When we look at, at Abram and Lot, that dark night of the soul was when they went into Canaan. Abram originally was terrified. That was his dark night of the soul. And instead of, and isn't it something with us in our wilderness situations? We always believe that God is leading us until the, that, that God is leading us to something. But then when those challenges come up, we don't believe that God will lead us through it. God is always leading us to somewhere, but, but then we have to build the capacity. We have to build the trust to know that God will lead us through something. And then how do we ever know that God will lead us through something unless we go through the wilderness? So let's talk just a little bit for a moment about the wilderness. And for many of you who, who made it on Ash Wednesday over to uh, Arlington Park for the, the Ash Wednesday, uh, that was just so beautiful. The, uh, the, um, the meditations that were written out. Wait, I got to pull up to this one particular piece right here. Ah, oh, right. The, uh, the, the meditations that were written by uh, Stephanie Jenkins. Um, there's a couple of pieces in there that I want to read to you that you'll see here on the, on the screen. That the wilderness is a place of return. The word repent means to return to God. God is our starting place. 
our true home. How mysterious that in the wandering in the wilderness, we find our way back home. And then in, uh, it, it goes on to say, uh, from Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, this, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. In the wilderness, the ancient rhythms of sun and wind, water and earth, strip us of our egos, trappings to please, perform, perfect, and protect. We are invited to let go of all that does not truly serve life. Now, I know if we have the wrong perspective, we'll think that the wilderness is trying to kill us. But we'll, really, the wilderness is trying to bring us to this place of letting go of what we don't need. I want you to note that, um, that in, in Matthew 4, 1, Jesus was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. God will lead us. Yet you got to hold on to that, that where you are right now, your wilderness, God led you there not to destroy you, but to bring about a new perspective that leads you into that promised land where you're no longer living in fear and no longer living in destruction and no longer living in the internal pain that is destroying you. If you read all of Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, it says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested of the devil. Now, I just want you to note that it's a test. That's all it ever is. When you're in school, when you have a test, the test is not supposed to fail you. It's supposed to reveal what you've learned and what you have not learned. Pop quizzes are not made to destroy you, but you fear a pop quiz when you haven't studied. You fear a pop quiz when you haven't learned. You fear a pop quiz when you're just holding on to the old, but you haven't studied the new that prepares you to pass the test. All that was happening in the wilderness, and that's why we look at, like with Lent, that, oh, I got to give up something. You look at it as something painful. You look at something as something destructive. It's not something destructive. It's something that just reveals where you are so that you can build what you need and have the capacity to move into your promise. So, in one more pop culture reference, I want to talk about, it, it seems like every time I get up, it's my, I'd say my favorite movie. <laughs> but I want to right now talk about one of my favorite movies, Up. This movie destroys me every time. That I, my personal opinion is that the first 10 minutes of Up is one of the most amazing pieces of cinema ever made. Oh my God, I was completely wrecked in the theater just on those first 10 minutes. But I don't want to spend so much on the first 10 minutes as I want to spend on how it ends. Um, this story about Carl Fredrickson and, and how he met as a child the woman who would become his wife, Ellie, and how they were, how they bonded around their mantra, adventure is out there. But there was something that they always dreamed of doing. They always dreamed of getting the Paradise Falls. And there was always one hurdle after another 
And Ellie passed away without them ever going to Paradise Falls. And so it leaves Carl with this mission. He is driven to get the house to Paradise Falls. That's his mission. And he, he gets some travelers along the way. He, he gets Russell, who wants to complete his merit badge by, by helping Carl and, and, and Kevin, which turns out to be a girl that's a bird. Very ingenious, Pixar people. And, all right. and, then, there's, and then there's also Doug, the dog. Uh, he's absolutely adorable. All right. And, but at this moment, which, which you'll see in the, in the slides, something, Carl has had his dark night of the soul because he has, he has chosen to save his house rather than saving Kevin. And he says, he, and he makes this statement, I'm going to get to Paradise Falls even if it kills me. But now the weight of the house is so heavy and he's dragging the house to get it to Paradise Falls, and he gets there. And Russell no longer wants to be a part of this. He lets go of his merit badge, and uh, Carl goes into the house. And as he sits down, he picks up the book of their, of their memories. And he's flipping through those pages, and he gets to the same spot where he ended before the stuff that they were going to do, what he and Ellie were going to do together. But for all this time, he never realized that there was more in the book until he turns the page. And what he sees are the photos of their life together. And he realizes then that he's been so focused on the wrong thing, he's had the wrong perspective. He's been focused on getting to Paradise Falls when the focus that Ellie had on them was the adventure. And the last thing that she writes to him is, it's been a great adventure. Now go out and have another one on your own. And that's when illumination happens. And he realizes that the thing that's important right now are, are these people who have been on this journey with him. Russell and saving Kevin and Doug. And so he... Be, in order for him to, to get back and to, to find Russell and find the bird, he's got to lighten the load because he realizes that he's been carrying too much baggage. And so he empties the house of everything that he's held on to so that the house can take off and fly and he can complete that journey. And in those last scenes, he has a choice where by the hose he's holding on to the house what will he do? What will he choose? He chooses Russell. He chooses Kevin. He chooses Doug, and he tells them to hold on. And he saves their lives. And as he looks out off of the, off of the blimp, off of the dirigible, he sees the house floating back to Paradise Falls. And Russell says, I'm sorry, Mr. Fredrickson. You lost your house. And Carl says, putting his hand on him, it's just a house. Isn't it something when perspective changes, these things that we have held on to so tightly 
that were taking us so far away from who we truly are. The things that we're holding on to so tightly that betray us, that once we let go and trust God in the wilderness, we get a different perspective. And we realize that we don't need those things anymore. What does Corey talk about all the time in the journey of our life? That behind us is what was conservative. It was good at the time, but it's not going to get us where we need to go. And so there are the progressives that are, that are ahead of us. And we need to give grace to both. And so with that, um, the, uh, on Friday, I saw this great slide it, it, that sums so many things up. You don't see something until you have the right metaphor to perceive it. You don't see something until you have the right metaphor to perceive it. And I never metaphor I didn't like. <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry, I just had to just throw that one out there. But the truth is you do, because you, it's that metaphor. It's the wilderness. The wilderness is the metaphor that helps you see what you did not see before. It's not there to destroy you. It's there to give you the capacity that you need to move forward. And so just reminding you again, the statement that I read earlier, we are invited to let go of all that does not truly serve life. What are those things that are not serving your life right now? What are those things that are leading you away instead of drawing you to God? What are those things that are leading you away from who you truly are? And what are those things that are helping you see that you are the Imago Dei and that you are worthy of love and that you are worthy of life and you are worthy of belonging We're all dealing with our wilderness right now, but how will we rewrite our stories during this time? Will we exit our dark night of the soul, the hero or the villain? It all depends on how we see things. And so with that, we're gonna send you back into your conversations to answer this question. What perspective can you let go of that will make your life better? Thanks for listening to the New Abbey Podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.